0: you're listening to the Arden University podcast with Alicia and Kate your hosts join us as we talk with students academics and other guests
1: about topical issues and subject matters connected to your studies
0: to the Arden University podcast with Alicia and Kate, your hosts. Join us as we talk with students, academics and other guests about topical issues
1: and subject matters connected to your studies. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of the Arden University podcast. We're glad that you're back with us and I'm also very glad that my partner in crime has returned to us. Alicia, you're back. Thank this you. This makes me very happy.
0: Oh, I'm sorry for Did leaving you, you alone last week. have kind of a week. good break? Oh, it was lovely. It was very nice having a break, although there was a lot of meetings involved, if I'm being completely honest, so it wasn't much of a break. But work is hard, <sighs> work is good, work is... Woohoo! Yeah, so... <laughs> but you're back, and that's the main thing,
1: and, you know, it's not the same without you. We had a lovely episode with Kameen, but, you know, I do like having you by my side. The kind of topic that that we're going with on this episode is we're going to talk a little bit about neurodiversity. So in September, Arden University is kind of putting a bit of a spotlight on equality um, and and diversity. And and we really wanted to talk about neurodiversity um, as a topic and as something that's so important to be discussed. And very much I think, is being talked about a lot more now, which is fantastic, and and it should be. We are joined today by um, Emma Owen, So she's going to have a discussion with us. So Emma, do you want to introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are? Okay,
2: yeah. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Um, So yeah, my name's Emma Owen. I'm a lecturer here uh, in psychology at our university. Um, Yes, I'm here to talk about uh, neurodiversity from my perspective. Um, and also, you know, what the directions are, I think, within uh, HE.
0: So do you want to do some quick fire questions uh, in order to get to know you, Emma? Or would you like to go straight into the big questions?
2: Uh, no, that's fine. We can do some quick fire questions. That's fine.
0: <laughs> All right. First quick fire question. What is your favourite colour? We're getting deep. Here. Red. Getting... Red. Ooh, I like it. Most people say like green or blue or something like that.
1: I always like to know what someone's favourite snack is.
2: Oh, favourite snack! Oh, well, I like those. Um, you know the dried chickpeas. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: love that. Love those. I always like to ask as well that if you were, you know, you're going to be stuck on a desert island, and you could pick one album to take with you or one one song to take with you, what would your choice be? I
2: Ooh, will survive. That's that's a really. That's 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 really. suggestion. <laughs> oh i i don't know actually i would be having something uh well i'm really kind of big on kind of relaxation uh music so as opposed to um a specific song uh, i would be having um I've, I've got one that i listen to at the moment which is rainforest sounds and i'm just it's it's just the thing that kind of recenters me and stuff when i'm kind of stressing out and um yeah. I don't have a lot to do. Yeah. I listen
0: to brown noise so much, especially when I've got my mind running in the evening and I need to go to sleep. Brown noise for an hour. Yeah. I'm out like a light within 10 minutes. It's perfect.
2: It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I only recently discovered different colours of noise. So I, this, like, this is new to me because I was just like, white noise, I don't get on with it. But I've, like, just discovered different colours of noise because I didn't know that was a thing so brown noise is amazing
0: pink noise is disgusting and horrible and blue noise is tolerable and white noise is like it's okay if you can't find brown noise that's how my roughly it goes in my head
1: okay okay so there's
2: like a ranking I like brown that. is top
0: brown is always number one
2: yeah yeah it, it, it is really good there's a function called sleep jar um, it's part of amazon and, and that's brilliant um, but things like a washing machine that's not relaxing <laughs> now i always have a fan on at night
1: so i think that's like my that
0: would help yeah that's my noise i have one more question that i want to ask which i think is a i think this is a cool question okay so you are allowed to get any one superpower but you have to give up one of your senses what superpower would you get and what sense would you lose
2: wow okay um what superpower would i get um probably the ability to know what other people are thinking <laughs> I you know I have quite difficulty with this anyway uh, so that would just be um what would I give up um possibly my uh sense of smell because I'm quite sensitive to um to smell really uh, so yeah things bother me that probably shouldn't <laughs> Intriguing. Thing.
0: Thank you. I always I like I hearing those answers. They're always everyone's got a different answer. No one ever has the same thing. Mm. Like, yeah, I give up taste because I think sm- taste is eighty percent smell anyway. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not really losing one. So work around or
2: something like that. Ah, that's that's good. I like that.
0: <laughs> Kate, your face I literally is have so, no idea. Yeah, for listeners out there, Kate's face is so focused right now, trying to come up with her answer. It's really fun to watch. <laughs> I genuinely don't know. It's a good question. It's one which really gets you thinking, which is strange for a superpower question.
1: I mean, I, I do know that I would love to be able to teleport. So in my, like, former role, before I joined Arden, I used to travel a lot and it was exhausting. But I love the idea of just being able to, like, you know, step through a door and I'm, like, where I need to be. I like, I love that concept, you know, that when I was doing events in like Taipei or in Bangkok, that I could just open a door, like, open my bedroom door and I'd be there. Like, I love that as an idea. But I don't know what I'd give up. That's really hard. That's really, really tough. Maybe, maybe smell. I don't know. Like, this has genuinely broken me. And I, I'm going to have to think about this and bring an answer next time. All right. As oh, so we'll ask the
0: question God. again next no, month. <laughs>
1: Yeah, ask me next month when I've had a chance to process the fact that I don't actually know the answer to it. Anyway. We'll have a really...
0: Regular listeners can come answer and them. The
2: answer
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your answer will be like an essay of like 500 words or like three pages. Yeah, that will... That's going to
1: be the topic of the episode. It will just be that. We're not going to talk about anything important. It's That's going to be the theme of the that episode. That is
0: important. Do not dull down this. Answer <laughs> this. is going to be very, very important. But maybe we should, for now, move on to the important things of this month's episode. <laughs> so Maybe we maybe should. Maybe we should. Just just for now. Just for now.
1: For, I mean, first of all, we we have forgotten to say this, but thank you for joining us, Emma. We do appreciate all of our guests that come on the show and give up their time to come and talk to us. You're
2: oh, very um, welcome. Thank,
1: thank you. So probably the first question I will ask you is, can we talk about some of the challenges that that you faced, um, and and a little bit about your background and your history, and kind of with your research, with your own experience of neurodiversity? You know, to kind of give us a bit of a an idea of what that's been like for you.
2: Sure. Yeah. So in terms of the um, uh, challenges that I faced, um, well, I was diagnosed late. Um, So when I was uh, a student uh, doing my MSc uh, in psychology, um, I was diagnosed with specific um, learning difficulties, so um, dyslexia uh, and dyspraxia. And then in recent years, I was also diagnosed with uh, ADD. Uh, So that's an attentive uh, type for for ADHD. And last year, I was diagnosed uh, as autistic. in terms of, of some of the challenges I've faced, I think it, it comes from wh- when you are diagnosed, I think you, you're you able to kind of identify why things were difficult um, throughout, you, throughout your lifespan. And um, I think the things that I've kind of experienced, um, I've everybody experiences this differently, but what I've experienced kind of growing up and and um, study uh, and work is kind of profound difficulties around processing, uh, uh, but also from the social aspect. Um, so, for example, when I was at school, you know, I always felt very different uh, to my peers. I was always very kind of introverted. Um, I, um, I struggled to kind of keep up with, with what was being said. Um, and I think when I was in at high school, I really struggled with anxiety. Um, and I think it's not until you, well, for me, I mean, like I say, everybody's different, but until you kind of have that diagnosis, you realise that well, this has always been what, what, what it's about. You know, this is the problem. Um, I experienced what many people do is uh, misdiagnosis um, uh, originally because uh, the way um, you know, these, these conditions can present is, is, is depression. Uh, and and anxiety and I think although there is a a significant overlap with with mental health difficulties that actually it's just diagnosis and you know you 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 can take this medication but it it doesn't work because it's not actually that that isn't the problem um so so yeah I mean I always felt very different um I I always struggled to be in groups uh of people, um, I struggled if it was too noisy, um, I would could be in a busy place for a certain amount of time, then have to kind of step back and you know ha- have have downtime. Um, uh, like I say, I, I was I was um, I, I went back. Well, I, I went back to study later because um, I struggled in the, in the final year um, of school, and actually went back um, as a mature student uh, when I was a mother, and i thought I've got two boys. Oh, one of them is 19 and the other is 15 now. And in terms of the diagnosis of autism, I use, my son was actually diagnosed first. And again, this is something that's quite common uh, in people who are uh, uh, late diagnosed, actually, that their children are. And going through the kind of forms, you you'll, you kind of pick up on, on difficulties and it, it resonates that way. Um, so, yeah. So coming back as a mature student uh, had its challenges with, with not being diagnosed but also be, being a parent as well um i think one of the the main issues and, and barriers um uh, is that you you feel very you really lack confidence in, in, in a number of aspects i think um i felt it with with studying uh but also in kind of my communication and, and relations uh with others um you know, I, I find it difficult to, to, you know, form relationships. Um, uh, I, I found it difficult to be able to talk about why that was so I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, I felt I really kind of, um, lacked the ability to, to write, uh, easily. You know, I, I, I tend to, uh, my mind tends to jump. Uh, quite a bit, so I, I really have to find strategies uh, to to manage that. I, th- I think, I like I say, everybody experiences it differently. But I think the thing with with um, neurodiversity and and the way I experience it is, it's like this constant niggling. You know, it, it, your mind just can't, can't see it. But it's like your mind like constantly is active uh, and and buzzing. And I was talking to a friend a while ago about this, and we and sometimes I'll zone out and the way we describe this is, is too many tabs and she was saying yes literally and figuratively <laughs> um that th- your, your mind can be preoccupied and somebody would say you know something needs to to bring back um, yeah um i, I think uh, in terms of um but but having a diagnosis for me as a student was was really useful because actually it then provides a almost uh a point to work from so you can then think oh well okay uh this is what it is you know other people experience it too and I think that's the thing about neurodiversity can be very isolating um you you feel very isolated I remember talking to uh somebody else about this and the way I experience autism is you always feel you're on the inside looking out you can never actually um form that that link um it's it's really hard Uh, and other people see me for example as being um quiet and reflective um and I, I don't demonstrate facial expressions as such as much as I, I realize other people do and the way I was explaining this because life generally to me um it feels very bright very loud um my attention will be pulled by really small details as I'm talking to somebody and I said if, if I'm slow in responding of it seems like I'm not taking and it's because I'm it's constantly processing everything around you it's, it's like there's too much noise um so you have to kind of um home in uh, on what you need to uh, so it yeah it, it takes it, it takes a bit longer um, yeah I, I think um in terms of so that so those have been the difficulties um, I, I think in terms of work um I've, I've worked in um HE uh, for about 10 years now um and as I said I, I, was, I was diagnosed late but I noticed I had specific difficulties so if I was in a meeting uh, for example I would struggle with the pace of the conversation it would move too quickly I was still processing what the last person had said and I struggled to kind of interject what I needed to or formulate a response um I would struggle being in busy office environments. Um, uh, but I, I find that really difficult. Um, it's it's almost painful in in a way, um, uh, and and I think that that was hard because uh, people say, "Well, you can you know you can teach." I mean, I, I'd be able to deliver a lecture to three hundred people, um, but then I would leave. But I couldn't. I'd go after that, and it's because you know I I. I know what I'm doing, but that's the thing. If it's in a kind of natural give and take um, in a group environment, I find that really, really hard to do. Um, yeah, so, so, so these, these were difficulties. And I think um, people who are neurodiverse uh, and neurodivergent individuals might be more inclined to go and kind of what we deemed being non-traditional routes. So um, come back to, to education later. Um, and That's what I found, and uh, speaking to other people uh, who who are neurodiverse and, and work in the sector. Yeah. Um, in terms of of ways to address that, I, I'm you know I, I still feel like I I I'm learning uh, uh, strategies. Um, I think having a good uh, network around people who understand. Um, the difficulties that you can face or having the confidence to talk about it I think really helps um, and explaining that because I think throughout within society there can be some real difficulties in people being able to understand and people say things like well you don't look autistic and I think I don't really know <laughs> you know what, what does that even mean um, or uh, well um, so I, I never I was never able to learn to drive and you know, somebody will say, "Well, I know another autistic person; they can." And I said, "It's it, <laughs> it feels so bad, you know. It's because it's saying, so, Well, everybody's different. That that's the thing, you know. People have strengths. You know, they have difficulties. Um, also also have co-occurring conditions that make my ability to respond, uh, my decision-making process, or uh, you know, visual processing, uh, speed reactions is, is is harder. Um, so I, I think." I, I think that's the thing i i think having the ability to talk about it and 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 actually kind of feeling self-acceptance is 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 massive uh and being in, a, in an environment where you know you do feel confident to disclose and say actually i'm having real difficulties today or this is hard for me and and you know being in that supportive environment i think really helps
1: yeah absolutely i think as well I, I just at this juncture it's good to mentioned that Emma you very much live this in action this is not kind of you just saying oh you should uh tell people about it you should you are in every interaction that we've always had number one delightful and uh number two you are always kind of very honest about the needs that that you have and I think that you deserve a huge amount of kudos for that because it can be really difficult um perfect example was last week you know you didn't feel comfortable we were hoping to record this last week it didn't feel right. You weren't ready. You hadn't had a chance to process and you openly admitted that to us. And that for us meant that we were able to do what we could to support you um, in, in whatever way that we could, because we would never want to do anything that would make you uncomfortable. But sometimes we don't think to ask the question. And that's something that we need to work on very much, you know, that we need to make that adjustment. But the fact that you are so very honest about it, I, I just think that can be so incredibly hard for so many people. And, and I have a huge amount of respect for anyone that struggles with it because we all struggle with it. Um, but yeah, the, the respect that I have for you for being very honest is is immense.
2: Oh, thanks so much, Kate. I, re- I really appreciate that. You know, that means a lot. And, and and thank you for that. And um, yeah, I, I really appreciated uh, your responses before. Cause, um... And
1: it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy for those of us to make adjustments where we can i think that's one of the big things just just be kind about it it's not hard to do don't ask silly don't say silly things like you don't look autistic." i can't believe people still say that that just
2: yeah it's 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 so it's so common i think that that's the problem with um uh, neurodivergence because it is hidden and um it's it's like uh people almost feel like they have to fit into this very kind of neurotypical Way of, way of living uh, and, and way of doing things. And I think that the problems that we have within society is society's expectations uh, that we all think and learn and take in information the same way. And um, I mean, in terms of people, uh, adults who are autistic, I think, I think, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll need to check this, but I think uh, the latest statistics demonstrate only 18% um, of autistic adults are in employment. And, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a number of reasons for that. I, I still think the... I mean, there's some very good schools. Um, I, I still think within, you know, schools there isn't that kind of understanding of how neurodiversity uh, presents and actually how the school environment can really impact on on young people. It's intense. It's busy. Um, there's nowhere for people to kind of step back and think, you know, I, I, I can't do this at the moment or and i think it's particularly around kind of um for example uh you know, exam time uh it's it's the kind of expectation uh that people take in information in, in a certain way or that they can can learn in, in in that way and i think it's it's everything about being neurodiverse, and identity that that you you know somehow i mean that that you're lesser at, at these things and it isn't the case it's just that you do take, you know, that you do um, absorb information differently, that you might have to do things in a different way, take breaks, be in a different environment. And um, I, I think this, you know, this is where it comes from. It society can be quite unkind um, at times. Um, yeah. And I think it's, um, and like you say, okay, it's, it's kindness is, is key. Um,
0: I always did find it absolutely ludicrous that we're expected to go into an exam and regurgitate stuff that we've tried to learn over the last few months and it just doesn't make any sense half the time like how is that learning how is that like being able to do anything like that and actually retaining that information and putting it out there on a piece of paper in some cohesive thought it's just sometimes it's just not a practical way to educate anyone it's like it's not education that's regurgitation it's a different thing and I don't know about
2: you, but I certainly wasn't good at that at school. So no, it, no, it's is. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's um, it's very difficult. It's almost like um, at times the education system says uh, with young people, if if you're not this, then you must be this, um, and it's it's all kind of focused on um, achievement in a very kind of specific way, um, and and it, it, it's it's wrong because it, it fundamentally fundamentally kind of maps on to people feeling I'm failing at this and and it that's just so unfair I I think at a societal level
1: yeah I think it can I've seen it go the other way as well in terms of if you are succeeding in inverted commas traditionally and so if you are you know succeeding within that framework of kind of a neurotypical you get an A's you get an A stars you're handing in your work if you then do have a neurodiversity, what well, you couldn't possibly have a neurodiversity. You're doing well at school. You mm. know what I mean? You can't. And, and we've got such kind of blinkered thinking about who is and who isn't neurodiverse, what is and isn't success. You know, we've got so many blinkered things that then intersect to create this kind of
2: weird mm-hmm. system that doesn't
1: really help anyone, I yeah. think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I read an article, I read a piece where, Um, because obviously the the discussion around neurodiversity has um, massively exploded in a huge part due to TikTok. Um, I think, you know, it's a lot of the content that I see on my feed. And it was a brilliant piece that said even the kind of allowances that are made in exams for neurodivergent people aren't necessarily appropriate. So giving someone with, let's say, ADHD extra time on an exam doesn't make any difference Mm. because they're still going to put it off potentially if they've got kind of avoidant um tendencies they're still going to put off starting it until that last half an hour if you've given them two hours or four hours or whatever let's say and that maybe would it be more beneficial for certain people that they still have the hour and a half let's say that is for everyone else but they can kind of stop the clock and walk away for 10 minutes to kind of and then come back you know And, and that we we still are using allowances that were set way back when that still, still don't work for everyone and we, we need to kind of even the places that you know the system is trying to improve things mm. we need to still look at that because how you know how well is this working how good of an effect is is this having and, and a lot of times it's it's not quite right because probably neurodivergent people aren't involved in that conversation you know it's neurotypical people saying that this is what will work to support neurodiverse people which just is unsurprising and disappointing and Mm. insane all at the same time
2: yeah no I I definitely um agree with that Kate and I think um uh, that's the thing it's it needs to come from the perspective of of having that lived experience doesn't it and kind of having people being able to say actually we everybody experiences this in a different way and what works for one person might not work for next and it has to be kind of individualized because um uh, I I think that you're right that that places get that wrong in terms of um, you know that this is what we'll do, um and this is how we've addressed um, um the the adjustments. But it, no, I I think you're absolutely right, Kate. It, it does need to be um, more focused on the individual uh, needs and having uh, people's perspectives at the heart of that. Yeah, absolutely
0: slight topic change but sort of still along the same lines so we've been talking a lot about schools and um sort of going from more like after school after you've got through the education and everything um what kind of potential career opportunities might there be for uh, neurodivergent people and how could they potentially maximize their employability
2: um i think in terms of um employability, I think there's a real, we we need to kind of close the gap um, for young people kind of uh, coming from school uh, into employment or to the next stage if if they want to um, carry on studying. I think, um, I mean, I personally, I even though I had these difficulties at school, like I would perform well, but it was my anxiety, um, which meant that then I couldn't attend school. In, in the last year and I think what happens is uh, because of the high uh, level of, of, of pupils who are excluded from school um, I think it would was- send seven times higher um, y- young people who who are are more likely to be excluded and I was reading um, that only 3% of those who go into alternative provision will uh, accomplish uh, um, a GCSE pass a, a GCSE and I think um, uh, the problem is that schools can present this barrier that black people lack confidence. They think maybe further education, FEHE, isn't for them. Um, I, I think it's, it's really important to, that we understand that and, and say actually, mo- most people perform much better at a university because they don't have those kind of difficulties around um, that kind of quite a forced environment that actually people can do things in their own time. Uh, that they can uh, do um, study remotely. Um, that actually, it's finding the, the the pace that works for them if they want to go into education after school uh, for FB and HE. Um, I think in terms of employment, um, there there are, there are so many barriers, and I think that that's one of them that people might not have the qualifications um, okay that they need for 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 different reasons um, and um I, I think that's definitely something that needs to be looked at in, in terms of employment um for people who are, are neurodiverse I mean everybody's everybody's different um and I see a lot of kind of organizations that are opening up saying we're looking to recruit um uh people who are uh, autistic or that, and I, th- I think this is I I think this is good I I I j- I think it's 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 really important I'd be concerned around society thinking that um making assumptions that people for example who are neurodiverse or autistic are likely to have kind of heightened abilities in, in certain areas because that's not everybody um um I mean I I think I can do different things because I have a hyper focus or I kind of think differently uh I tend to think quite creatively um but generally um i remember talking again to a colleague about this and i said i know people who are like that um i wish i was i just think i'm just really super ditzy to be fair (laughs) i just you know i I, but i I think that can be a kind of common misconception if if we go to that as well that's isn't a good representation um of, of people kind of assuming that we would have these heightened abilities in mathematics for example I I, 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 th- I I think that can be quite problematic um in terms of of um, work roles i mean i you know, speaking from personal experience, I find remote working really good. Um, I really kind of like the, the flexibility um, of this um, i think uh, and, and speaking to, to friends as well they, they also quite you know appreciate kind of um that working format, um, although some people do, you know, do like a, the social interaction, the, the face-to-face. Um, so I, I, think it, I, think it, I think it depends on, on the individual. Um, I think, again, one of the barriers to employment for people who are neurodiverse is um, qualifications, but also the, the interview process. Um, I think we're very much still geared towards neurotypical um, uh, selection processes um so for example if you're in an interview and somebody will ask you questions uh you'll be judged on your ability to answer that in a very kind of concise uh, and, and direct way and I for example will go around all the houses you know to and maybe then just not actually answer <laughs> yeah it's it's um it's it's difficult isn't it and, and I think um having not coming uh, so because uh, you're not I, I don't feel that um, you're on a level playing field because you know some people just don't work like that um, you know you need time to formulate that or if you miss it and even things like um, I have a real difficulty maintaining eye contact uh, with people and, and this can come across to a panel as being uh, disinterested um, or um, d- just not able to like say kind of make, make that point um on on the spot um talking about um if people ask you in an interview about kind of hypothetical um kind of scenarios that can be difficult as well it's i think it's much easier if if places ask you about to draw on kind of lived experiences um and and understanding of of, um or reflecting on a situation that you you've been in um so yeah i i think there are uh routes of employment that are may suit um, uh, people people's neurodivergent um, but again it depends on the individual but I think largely the problem with people accessing employment opportunities is about the processes um that that exist that are quite detrimental and put people at a disadvantage
1: yeah as as a hiring manager I think that's something that I definitely need to try and make sure I'm more aware of I think we, we try but sometimes we need to make sure that we're we're hitting all of those kind of points because if someone comes in into an interview with me it is in my opinion my role to give them the chance to show their best ability and their best self to me you know I don't I don't like to go into an interview with someone like I'm trying to catch them out on stuff they don't know that's not I mean, there probably there are people out there like that I have been interviewed by people <laughs> like that who are like, I'm going to catch out the things that you don't understand. Um, and, you know, if, if there's things that, that we as as hiring managers and panellists, we, we there are things that we need to think about. And, and if someone is struggling, it is also up to us to say, in the, I think there's... See, this is the go around the houses, Emma. We've talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> you know... We also have to have the confidence to say, are you okay? Do you need a minute? What can we help, you know, how can we help maybe a little bit with that? I think we have that that responsibility. So we have to have the confidence to do that as well, to be the one that says, okay, stop for a second. You know, you're not in trouble. This is not a bad thing. Is everything going okay? If we can see that someone is struggling. And I think we, we are taught as hiring managers, maybe that that's not what you should do, but, it's, again, it's just that being kind thing, isn't it, to anyone who walks through the door? So we, we've talked a little bit about careers and, and employability, and, and I want to talk a little bit about your job now, actually, Emma. Okay. Um, Kind of bring, bring it back round in that. Um, so, obviously, you, as you've said, you are neurodiverse yourself. Have you found that it means that you kind of maybe teach differently or deal with students differently to your colleagues have you noticed that it has an impact and you know do you actively make those choices Or I mean obviously you are as as we've said before lovely and I know that you are one of our academics who will always try and make your students feel very comfortable but do you maybe approach that slightly differently um than your colleagues because of your lived experience
2: um I mean I feel uh, I feel very fortunate to uh, you know, to be be part of the school. And uh, this is what I see reflective across Arden. Everybody's great, you know, um, and and really nice. And I think within the psychology school, I mean, I, all of my colleagues I know are, are very, you know, very much student-centered and very kind of aware of, of, of difficulties that students uh, may encounter and um, are very approachable. Um so I don't think in terms of being different in the way that i, do, I, I because they all are you know that they're, they're very they're very open they're very kind they're very um uh, uh, people are always you know putting in uh, extra uh, support or um uh, thinking of of kind of different ways to to make uh, teaching and, and resources more accessible i I think that it's people don't speak about what they experience often enough Um, and I think we need to share that um to be supportive um, of others and I think kind of break down those barriers and say yes we all you know we all we all have difficulties and and that's you know that's okay that that's okay don't let that impact on you or make you feel uh you know um get you down or just um you know that we're here to to talk about this because i think reflecting i think the most difficult things i always felt as a student uh, uh was that actually i don't i'm not keeping up i don't understand this or if i ask this will it sound right or if i um uh you know if if i write this in a certain way you know what what will you know how how will this be, you know it, it's it's um I, th- I think it's I think it's really important to be able to say it um and I when I was a student I it was never discussed it was never discussed I mean I was um I went for a, an assessment because I saw a leaflet uh, on it uh, initially and I think um I, I I like I say I think it's really important to have that kind of open dialogue um And so, yeah, things can be difficult, but there's also a lot of positives and it's important to have that kind of um, self-acceptance and to be able to talk to people who also experience this. Um, I I think that's really important.
0: Definitely. So I feel like from listening and speaking to you today, so one of our questions, which I'll ask in a second, is about how neurodiversity could be a superpower. And from listening to you, it sounds to me like one of the superpowers that it creates is the superpower just to be able to have open and honest communication, which is not necessarily specific to neurodiversity, but I feel like this is something that should be applied to all people in the workplace, in education, in Mm -hmm. your social lives, anywhere. Um, But I wondered, so that's what I took from it, but I was wondering... If um, for you, um, so how do you think neuro- neurodiversity is a superpower and how it enables people to think differently and approach challenges in a different way?
2: Okay, um, so in, in terms of, of uh, neurodiversity, I think, I think it can be a real, real journey uh, for people uh, because uh, like I say, they living in a society that's not necessarily designed for you can kind of really impact on your, your confidence as an individual. And I think what you kind of need to, to take from that, I mean, maybe people have difficulties, like I say everyone's different, may have difficulties processing. They may have difficulties in social interactions. Realizing the things that you are good at and kind of being in an environment that recognizes that, I think. And what, what I've noticed with, with um, colleagues that I've worked with over the years who are neurodivergent is. Uh, and like I say, it's not the same for everybody. You will have these very kind of, kind of conversations. It's almost like uh, we were saying that if you feel that you don't fit into a society, you don't feel the need to do that. Uh, <laughs> so you'll you'll see something and, you know, you'll you'll say, well, actually, this isn't right or this is what could make things better. And I think quite a few of the people that I know are quite focused on social justice, um, kind of wanting to, to make a difference, but also... Um, The conversations they can be very creative, very funny. Um, If if I'm speaking a group of people who are also neurodivergent, it's like you automatically feel more relaxed. I think because people do get where you're coming from, and you know you can kind of share those stories. And I I think it's it's creativity, it's um, the kind of ability to kind of cut through things. Say actually, this isn't (laughs) right. You know,
1: Emma, you've said it today. Hannah said it in uh, mental health podcasts um phil said it when we were talking about pride talk about things have the conversation and and we as a staff i like to think do create these space or try and create these spaces to have that chat and i think it's a really important message that it keeps coming up in our podcast talk talk to us talk to each other talk to your tutors talk to your friends talk to your pet talk you know talk to someone and if you don't have someone to talk to come and ask us and um, there will be someone that, that you can talk to and it might be scary and it might be intimidating it might be all those things but I think these episodes and the conversation that we have always come back to talk to us have the conversation
2: yeah no I think that's 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 lovely Kate Night. you know I, I agree like um kind of experiences I've had like Arden is that there is that open dialogue and I think the inclusion is very much kind of um at the center uh, of everything that they do and that, that kindness um to each other and, and I think that's the that's the call, isn't it really it's um that that's so important
0: I thoroughly enjoyed this episode I feel really full of good vibes now just Emma thank
1: you so much for for coming and talking to us it really really was wonderful
2: oh thanks so much for inviting me I've really enjoyed talking to yourself it's been great thank you
1: excellent is there any kind of final message that you want to give or have you got like any research or anything that you want to plug we always give our kind of guests the opportunity to do that if there is anything that you have
2: Oh, thank you. Um, it's, yeah. In terms of uh, final mes- message, I think you you've um you covers it well. Just uh just keep talking uh to each other and like for people to kind of realize that they're not alone. Uh, things that we're doing well, we have a, a, a neurodiversity network group. Um, that I um, run with Lucy um, on Slito and. Um, we we meet <clears throat> sorry once a month. Um, so if, if if anybody would like to to join that, and it's 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 a really lovely group. We we have guest speakers, but also it's just nice to be able to talk, you know, to just to come together and, and chat, and um, um, yeah, to to be able to share. We've we've actually just um, had our neurodiversity uh, uh, PGC uh, validated, and so that you know that's in development. And um, it's going to be available next year, um, and that's going to be for all Arden employees um, as well. Um, but also, we're going to be um, offering uh, it to uh, uh, organisations in education within within the justice system. Um, and there's a lot of conversations around that about uh, development for masters, but also short courses. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be keeping updated with that
1: yeah I think we've we've reached the end of the episode so thank you very much for coming on the on the episode Emma Alicia I was so glad to have you back I missed you friend I'm glad that you're back here with me (laughs) um so yeah we really hope you enjoyed the episode and that you'll join us again for another one next month and we'll speak to you all soon